0: This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast, thrilled today to visit with Beth Walker. Beth is one of the CEOs, one of the Oshner hospitals, I think Oshner Baptist, she'll talk to us more about it today. Beth, can you take a moment to introduce yourself, then we'll talk to you about how strategy is evolving and what you're seeing, priorities a little bit more.
1: Sure. Well, thanks again for having me, Scott. Uh, as you said, I am Beth Walker. I am the Chief Executive Officer at Ochsner Baptist, which is one of Auctioner Health's Community Hospitals just um, just down the street from our flagship hospital in Uptown New Orleans. And um, I've been with the organization about 19 years and in this role um, just under two years. So happy to be here and, and share a few thoughts.
0: Well, thank you very much. And given the 19-year perspective, talk to us a little bit about how strategy has changed over the last 19 years and whether strategy has changed dramatically in the last two years, a, a, a bit of a sense of longer term than shorter term, the acceleration of change, or, or how do you see it evolve? How do you look at that?
1: Absolutely. Um, its It's certainly been quite a journey to be with the organization for this um, this amount of time and to see auctioners growth, but obviously in a in a time when healthcare just seems to evolve and change, um, not just year by year but day by day. You know, when I joined the organization 19 years ago, we were essentially one hospital um, in a number of neighborhood clinics, and and we've grown now um, to many more than that. But I think the the other piece is is seeing how the way that we serve our patients, serve the community, has really evolved and um, and and our role in that. And I. Think I think if if I focus more specifically on just even the last um, two years, or even just sort of in the the year since um, since we first had our, our COVID patients, which was in March of of 20, um, you know, a couple of things come to mind. One being the focus on telehealth. Um, we it was certainly something that we knew was evolving and something that we would have to um, play more in in that space. But that COVID certainly was the impetus for um, for making that shift for us. And if I I just share, I have this number in my head, but in 2019, we had done a total of 3,500 virtual visits. So across the whole system, 3,500 virtual visits. And we, we do around, I think around 2.8 million visits as a system a year. In 2020, we did 325,000 virtual visits. So um, the interesting thing is obviously where we're sort of crisis leads to opportunity and and kind of led us to um, to force our hand on that a little bit, but I can tell you, into 2021, we're still seeing that trend continue, even though you know our doors are wide open and and people are able to to come into the campus. The other piece that I would say has evolved a lot in the last um, year, for, year or so for all of us in, in healthcare, I think, is understanding more of sort of this remote workforce. Um, healthcare has not traditionally been a, a space where people worked remotely, and I, I think that COVID sort of forced our hand at that during the crazy times, but we're all sort of looking at, at opportunities now to um, to be able to recruit staff From all over, and have them work remotely um, for certain job functions, um, for sure. And I think that's—it's not just an opportunity, but it's almost something that I think we're going to have to do with certain roles um, to really compete nationally and and internationally. um, And from an engagement standpoint, Um, and the—you know—the workforce. I think the other piece I'll mention on that is. Auctioner has done a ton of work to really go um, further upstream and make sure that we are preparing um, our, you know, the workforce that we're going to need for the future. And that, you know, goes to relationships with, you know, obvious partners such as nursing schools, allied health programs, um, even, you know, universities and graduate programs, but we're also looking at, you know, various trade schools. We are in a partnership with a charter school that goes right down to elementary school and getting more kids involved in STEM um, and really trying to make sure that we are creating the workforce that healthcare and that auctioner is going to need in the future. So um, it's really exciting stuff. And I think focusing, you know, outside of just sort of the normal provision of care and looking more at how do we provide that in the necessary environment in today's time is just um, an exciting opportunity to look at those things differently.
0: And, and, and take a moment on physician perspectives on telehealth. Talk about, are physicians completely excited about it? Do they feel like it? Lessons, their connectivity with patients. They love the convenience of it. What have you seen in the physician workforce in terms of their perspective on telehealth?
1: yeah, that's a that's a great question. I would say probably yes to all that <laughs> all that you said. I think there there is not one school of thought on it, and I think it, clearly some specialties lend themselves more to telehealth. Um, You know, psychiatry and sort of our behavioral health services are much easier to do in some ways like that than obviously procedural based um, specialties or surgical specialties where, you know, the surgeons want to kind of touch and feel first to, you know, have the person um, there on the visit. That being said, I think for surgeons to be able to do a post-op check-in virtually um, rather than have their schedules fill up with, with those in the office has made a lot of sense um we have a number of physicians that um that have really appreciated the opportunity to to do the televisits and also do them at different times so to say you know I'm going to shift my work schedule and be able to offer them into the evening hours which gives more availability to patients um to be able to check in after their work schedule so it it's an ever evolving process i think we continue to work i mean the technology is critical obviously to make sure that that, that works and seamlessly for for patients and for for providers, um, but it's um, you know I think we're we're learning along the way, but I think we have a lot of enthusiasm to just keep tweaking it and and finding um, ways that it can be beneficial both to the providers and to the patients.
0: Take a moment on workforce of the future. We're we're seeing this very sort of convoluted country right now, where lots of employers are having trouble filling jobs. Yeah. Uh, there's a shortage of people yet there's a lot of unemployed people. How do you recraft this workforce of the future uh, where we've got these great looming shortages of physicians, mm-hmm. providers, clinicians? How do you sort of work towards that? And how important are these efforts that you're undertaking to, to have a solution? And it seems so critical.
1: Yeah, I think it's a fabulous question because that's exactly it's, it's hard to sort of marry it up in your head um, when you just kind of look at the numbers. But the reality is, is that so many of us in healthcare, are struggling to fill these various positions. You know, one of the challenges I think we have to do is to keep looking specifically, and I'll, you know, mention nurses because it's the biggest, you know, piece of our workforce. But is in making sure that nurses are really doing top of license work, that that what we're asking them to do is really necessary for a nurse to do. Um, I think it's actually, you know, we're getting back to saying, are there additional support? Personnel that we can put into clinical settings that can take care of a lot of the other related paperwork documentation, um, other types of just sort of ancillary type work that that is involved in patient care that right now we have doctors or nurses taking care of. Um, so I think really trying to make sure that everybody's working at the top of their license and that we have the right you know positions created for people to be successful. It's the easiest thing to do is is sort of to hire the top skill level that, that that can then do everything because you just know they can sort of do their skill level and everything below them, but it's a waste of a resource to have them not focusing just on, on their role. So I think when it comes to, you know, our investment in the future, um, and an auctioner and I believe strongly in in the partnership with just being a strong um presence in the community. And so I think as it relates to our charter school partnership, for example, it's not just about getting every one of those kids to eventually come work at Auctioner, but it's in just making sure that we have, you know, well-educated, um, strong, you know, community members um, in our in our local society here too. And so I think Auctioner truly believes that, you know, stronger um, education builds stronger communities. And so we're really trying to put honestly our money where our mouth is with a lot of that. Um, it's also about getting kids excited about Careers in healthcare and helping them to also realize that you don't have to be the obvious nurse or doctor to go into healthcare. And so I think exposing kids to all types of career choices along the way is um is really exciting. And so and and the other piece I'll mention on the workforce is we're doing a lot um related then to our diversity and inclusion efforts in partnering with You know, schools that draw more, you know, more of the historically black colleges and universities or even just in underserved areas um, to make sure that we are, you know, giving these offerings to kids that um, that grow up in all different environments and making sure that they have a pathway forward. So it's um, it's pulling together a lot of, I think, different components of our strategy um, and hopefully, you know, strengthening strengthening the community, but also our organization in the future.
0: Fantastic. And talk about that. You talked about a few big sort of transformations, both to telehealth and to making sure you're setting the seeds in place for the workforce of the future. Talk about as you look at this year, what are you most excited about currently? What what gets you up in the morning, gets you going and excited?
1: Sure. Um You know, the the first one I might maybe play off what I just mentioned on some of the diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts. And I'm specifically excited, too, about diversity in leadership and even more specifically women in leadership. Um, I have actually avoided the topic of women in leadership for a while, I think because I was – I no longer (laughs) – I didn't necessarily want to be referred to as a lady CEO, which I am referred to – at times, and I, I think in my mind I wanted to just you know be. I just want to be a CEO. Why You know, what does it matter what my gender is? Um, and now I'm I'm starting to embrace that in different ways and realizing that I have a very unique opportunity to be a role model for other women who want to see someone who looks like me um, at and, and looks like them, I should say, at a higher level. And I think it's it's a huge responsibility and an honor in a lot of ways. And so I think as I play that out in my mind, how I can represent um, this opportunity to other women, I think that is similar for um, all types of diversity and inclusion and how do we continue to create pathways and help um, leaders of all, you know, race, age, gender, orientation, um, whatever, into into these opportunities. So I'm focusing a lot on um, allyship, making sure that I'm doing my personal, you know, part to create pathways um, and support, you know, these different opportunities and the second thing, if I can have a second one that I'm excited about, is um, is really just the overall opportunity to grow from this COVID experience. Uh, you know, it's in in a lot of ways, I think we most of us would say, gosh, it would have, it would be so beautiful if COVID never happened. And and of course, um, I think we'd all agree that that would be the ideal state, but it did. And so. You know, trying to think of the words of um, I think Winston Churchill said, "Never let a good crisis go to waste." And so, what what can I learn from? What can my organization learn from this experience? And and how do we continue to take the the lessons learned in terms of you know being more agile? How do we how do we pivot more quickly? Um, You know, the rules essentially of the game were were changed, and how do we keep rewriting them in a way that that works for the future? I like. Looking at this challenge as something that that fuels me, um, not defeats me, and so how do I use this as energy to just keep pushing forward, getting comfortable with the un- uncomfortable, you know, learning that this is this is a journey, um, and the humanness of all of this. I think the fact that that this virus, in in many ways, you know, made us feel disconnected, but in other ways, we all shared so many of the same challenges and realities. And I think this is just an opportunity to come together in a lot of ways um, as we come out of this and move forward. So I'm really, I'm excited about that too. I think we're going to, we're going to use this challenge as our, you know, fuel um, and not as um, defeat. And and thank
0: you for that, for both those concepts. They talk about being a CEO, a great CEO that is a woman. How do you look at that? Do you look at it as though... I guess if you're, you know, I try and think of it as Beth Walker is a magnificent CEO. She's also a woman, so it can also be a great role model for other women. You know, I've got a daughter who I like to see people in positions of leadership. So she sees it as though, oh, I can do this. I could be a great leader and have a great family life. I could do both. I could have this balance. And I, I like to see my daughters see great leaders. Do you think yourself first as a CEO or first as a woman, or is it so intermixed that it's hard to ever separate the two? Mm-hmm. That, I, that I, I'm yeah. a woman, I'm a CEO. I happen to be a great CEO. I happen to be a woman. I'm both. Yeah, and, and I think I, of it for what you said about you know someone who happens to be like I think of like mm-hmm. some of the best CEOs in the country happen to be black CEOs, but mm-hmm. but they're but they're great CEOs first, and they're mm-hmm. black. And, and I think it's it, it to me it's sometimes important to point out. You're a great CEO. Yes, you happen to be a woman, but you're not CEO because you're a woman. You're a great CEO who is a woman.
1: Thank you. Yes, I I I think that's a, a great question and I definitely I I see myself more in the latter as you said. I think I'm a woman, you know, or I'm a, excuse me, I'm a CEO who happens to be a woman. Um but I also believe that being a woman brings some you know, unique skill sets into this role. And I think as opposed to trying to figure out how to um, act, think more like um, some, you know, traditional male, male stereotypes, I what I want to do is really say like, well, what are the strengths that I bring? And and I speak a lot with my team about the impor- importance of, um, of courage, of trust, of transparency. Um, I am trying to truly lead a culture of kindness and compassion, but through real hard and honest feedback and growth opportunities. And so I'm a big believer that, you know, I can sit down and have any hard conversation with someone and it doesn't have to be hard. We just have to agree that we respect one another and that I want that individual or this situation um, to get better. And I'm committed to that. And so I think that my my passion for wanting people to be their best selves and and bring those to work and bring those to our patients, I think is something I'm trying to just, um, as opposed to harness it, I think I'm just trying to, to Say that this is an environment where we can all continue to make one another better, and so, um, so I'm excited about that. Um, and I honestly I, I can't say enough about auctioner support um, in helping me to to get where I am too. And I think that being a part of an organization that allows you to bring your whole self to work, to be who you are, and just keep helping you tweak that and grow as a leader and as a person is tremendous. And so that's that's one of the reasons I'm still here 19 years later. So excited to be a part of it.
0: Beth, just magnificent. Always a pleasure to visit with you. It really is. Thank you so much for taking the time to visit with us on the Becker Healthcare podcast. Thank you very much. Thank
1: you, thank you, Scott.